Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Podcast. This is America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, May twenty seventh, two thousand twenty one. People, hope everybody is having a great week. Hope everybody is gearing up for a fun Memorial Day weekend. Hope you're spending time with family. Hope you're taking time away from work. Hope you're hitting the beach. Hope you're having a good uh, meal. Hope you're having some 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 special beverages. Whatever you do to celebrate the holiday, I hope you guys have a great weekend. And we got a great show to get you into the weekend. Really fun show. Really kind of simple, straightforward show to take you into Memorial Day weekend. We will open. I have finally updated my way too early top 25. If you remember, I put out a top 25 the day after college basketball season ended. I did do an updated top 10 about three or four weeks ago, but with transfer portal season basically done, I have updated my top 25 and really outside of about four or five big NBA draft decisions, this puppy is done. The, the horse is in the barn, the hay is in the barn, whatever you say. So I will tell you who my new top 25 is, some new teams, some new blood, a lot of teams moving up. Yes, the Kentucky Wildcats are one of them uh, as they were a fringe top 20 team before they are now uh, very, very, very high. After the top 10, really fun guest. It is the return of Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl, head coach, Auburn, really fun guy. I had him on probably about a year, year and a half ago uh, during the 2019-2020 season. He joined me again. We had a lot of fun talking the transfer portal, talking his roster. He's bringing in some new players, Walker Kessler from North Carolina. Really fun interview with Bruce Pearl. So basically, this is a very straightforward show. Way too early top 25 to start. Pause, break, Bruce Pearl, we get out of here, you hit the beach, you have a barbecue, enjoy Memorial Day weekend. Before we get started though, before we get to the top 25, I do want to welcome back one of our favorite sponsors and that is PrizePix and PrizePix.com. Look everybody, the NBA playoffs have started and there is no better way to enjoy watching your favorite former college basketball stars play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at PrizePix and PrizePix.com. We all know what daily fantasy is. You play regular fantasy, it's daily fantasy. You're watching games, you pick a couple players, Trey Young, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, who's not even in the playoffs, but if he was, LeBron James. 
James, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, whoever, and then you go on the app, the Prize Picks app, and they tell you they're going to score this many points. Are you going to go over or under? They're going to get this many rebounds. Are you going to go over or under? I have downloaded the app, and I am just telling you, it is a really, really, really fun way to enjoy these games. It is the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com. Again, you just go there, pick a few players. They're over, under points, rebounds, assists, whatever. Lock it in. I've been enjoying the heck out of prize picks, prizepicks.com. My picks for Thursday. Okay, so I am recording late Wednesday. I'm recording during the next game. My favorite bet on Thursday was Trey Young over 25 and a half points. Anybody, longtime listener of this podcast knows me and Trey Young got a little bit of beef. His dad chirped at me on Twitter that one time, but the guy likes the bucket. The guy likes to shoot. The guy likes to score. I have him over 25 and a half points. So all I do go on prizepicks.com or the prize picks app, click Trey Young, click points, go over. And if he goes over 25 and a half points, I win. Here's the best part though. Beyond just making picks and doing all that fun stuff, Prize Picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four out of five predictions correct. So you go on the app, pick five. If you get four out of five right, you win 10 times your money. And on top of that, this week with the NBA playoffs underway, they have a special NBA playoff jackpot, the 10K Daily Flex Play. The game is simple. You log in, make five picks. You got to, by the way, when you log in, use promo code Torres, make five picks, and if you get all five picks right, you are automatically entered to win $10,000. The way that you are entered, log in, use promo code Torres, First-time deposits only are eligible for that 10K. So all you got to do is go to prizepicks.com, download the app using – or go to prizepicks.com or download the app, use the promo code Torres. On top of that, even if you don't win the 10K, you automatically get 100% return on a $100 uh, deposit. So you deposit $100, they give you an extra $100 to play with. Prizepicks.com. Look, if I haven't sold you at this point, I don't know what to tell you, but I really am enjoying using this app. So go ahead, Prizepicks app or the prizepicks.com. Use promo code Torres to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite players, your favorite college basketball players, whoever they are, Kemba Walker, Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, whoever it is, take it to the next level. I should mention, by the way, on top of prize picks, uh, manscaped.com. You can always go there, use promo code Torres. Father's Day is coming up. Uh, just going to throw it out there. I uh, did give the wife uh, a couple of the razors that Manscaped sent me. She loved them. So, ladies, I've been telling you, buy it for the guys. No, 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 no. Buy the razors for yourself. Incredible, manscaped.com, promo code Torres. Uh, but, yeah. Lot to get into. Wanted to shout out my sponsors. Love those sponsors. They do incredible work, and I appreciate everything that they do for the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. But with that said, people, as I used to say back in the day, there is no more time to waste. Let's get into the topic of the day and really, frankly, like a bizarrely, bizarrely quiet week in the world of sports, college sports, whatever. I mean, obviously, if you're an NBA junkie, the NBA playoffs are going on, but really just not a lot of meat on the bone. I really actually spent some time making sure on uh, Wednesday afternoon that I wasn't missing anything for today's show on Thursday. Really kind of a pretty quiet week. And so what I wanted to do is go ahead and give you my updated 
post-transfer portal, way too early top 25. And I think everybody listening kind of knows the deal, but for people not familiar, basically as soon as the season is done in college hoops, this past year it was obviously Baylor over Gonzaga, a lot of writers, myself included, we go out and put out our way too early top 25, looking ahead to who we think is going to be really good next year. The thing is, though, that in college basketball, maybe more than any other sport, rosters change, and maybe this offseason more than ever, rosters have changed because of the craziness of the transfer portal. And so what I wanted to do, I haven't done an official update of my top 25 since the season ended. Now, I did put out a top 10 a few weeks ago, but it's worth noting a bunch of teams have added players since then, most notably Kentucky adding two guys, Arkansas added a guy. So what I want to do is go ahead and update my way too early top 25 and what I would say before I get started is this is that we have to remember there are still some big NBA decisions to come and so because of it some of these teams will still change over the course of the next couple weeks what I had to do is basically take the information that I have and make educated guesses on who is coming back who is not coming back and then look if a Johnny Juzang, if an Isaiah Jackson, if a Keon Brooks decide to return, decide to go pro, I will adjust things accordingly. But again, here is my too early top 25 that really isn't too early anymore because transfer portal season is done. Let's get into it. The number one team in my too early top 25 post transfer portal, late spring, going into Memorial Day weekend. I actually think it's pretty much a no brainer. That is the UCLA Bruins. And it's interesting because when I did kind of the sort of updated top 10 a few weeks ago, I had UCLA number one. But here's the catch with UCLA. So they make the Final Four last year, and I think a lot of people are sitting there saying, well, if they hadn't made the Final Four, Torres, there's no way that you're putting them at number one. And, like, to a degree, you're probably right. But on the flip side, it is worth noting that at UCLA, they were the preseason Pac-12 favorites last year. They started 12-2, and and then boom. Chris Smith, who was on paper their best player, goes down with an injury. Takes them a few weeks to figure things out. They struggle down the stretch. Every team they lost to was really good. USC, Oregon, Oregon State. And so I don't believe that UCLA was this incredible, plucky underdog that made the Final Four and almost beat Gonzaga. I think it's the opposite. I think they were probably at full strength about one of the top 10 to 15 teams in the country all season long, got cold when they lost some players to injury, then got hot when it mattered most in the NCAA tournament. And so to me, they are, I don't even think it's a debate, the number one team in the country, and it's for a very simple reason. They could literally return every single player off last year's Final Four team. The obvious big name is Johnny Juzang. He was incredible in the NCAA tournament, and I'll be honest, I thought as soon as that tournament was done, Johnny Juzang had played his last college game, and look, there's still a chance that he goes pro, but every single day that he remains on campus, every single day that UCLA, which is in this weird quarter system, they don't have semesters at UCLA, they have quarters, every single day that he is still on campus taking classes is another chance that he is potentially going to stay at at UCLA. And so as of right now, I actually feel like it's maybe 50-50 that he returns, whereas, uh, you know, three days after the NCAA tournament, I thought it was like 10-90 in terms of staying going. But here's the crazy part. 
I just mentioned a minute ago that Johnny Juzang wasn't even playing well early, and UCLA's best player early was a kid named Chris Smith. He goes down with an injury in the middle of January. Now here's the crazy part. He was a senior because of the extra year of eligibility. He now might come back too. UCLA actually posted a video this week of him working out at the facility, and it's like if they get those two guys back, I mean – those are going to be two of the best players in the Pac-12. On top of that, I want to give Mick Crone a little bit of credit. Um, in this transfer portal world that we live in where everybody's leaving and everybody's looking for a bigger role, it's kind of incredible. UCLA is one of only three programs, as far as I know, at the Power 5, Power 6 level that has not lost a single player to the transfer portal, and they have nobody leaving. It's incredible to me. They have their role players want to come back, want to be part of what UCLA was last year, want to continue to build on it. And on top of that, never forget, UCLA also has a five-star, one-and-done type kid, Peyton Watson, coming in to UCLA next year. On top of that, Miles Johnson, a, a starter on Rutgers NCAA tournament team, has transferred in. And so when I look at UCLA's roster, I'm telling you right now, if Johnny Juzang and Chris Smith come back, they may legitimately have 13 guys, all 13 scholarships on not only filled, but with guys that can play. That actually may be too much talent, but it's a good problem to have. If Johnny Juzang comes back, I don't even think it's a debate. UCLA should be the number one team in the country. Number two uh, is Gonzaga. And Gonzaga was my number one immediately after the season. And it's interesting, right? Like I felt a little bit guilty putting Gonzaga number one a day after they got destroyed by Baylor in the national championship game. But when you take a deep breath and you look at who they have coming back, you look at who they have, who they're bringing in, they should be towards the top. First of all, as I record here late Wednesday, it became official. Drew Timmy, final four, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, just star against UCLA. Uh, Drew Timmy's coming back. This is the kid, the big kid with the mustache, but he's a baller. He's coming back. Andrew Nemhard is coming back. And since the season ended, they have added three five-star freshmen. Chet Holmgren is the most notable one. He's the number one high school player in America. Big, tall, lanky kid, but tough uh, defense, shot blocking, and he can step out and hit threes. And I actually like the inside-outside kind of combination of him and Drew Timmy together. On top of that, Hunter Salas, a five-star guard, and Nolan Hickman, who was committed to play at Kentucky, is now staying in the Pacific Northwest and going to Gonzaga. On top of that, they add a transfer named Rasir Bolton, who averaged 15 points in the Big 12 last year against Iowa State and two top former 100 recruits uh, Dominic Harris and Julian Strother were on the bench last year and are going to develop and so if anything Gonzaga to me almost has a UCLA thing of this was a team that basically played six or seven guys last year do they have too many guys and then what I would also say is really interesting is we kind of think of Gonzaga as this developmental guys red shirt they stay an extra year kind of program how do they handle having three five-star freshmen that are all going to come in and expect to play. We know it's a new world. I think that's an interesting challenge for Mark Few, but it's worth noting it's a good problem to have having three five-stars, and so I have Gonzaga at number two. Number three is Villanova, and here's the interesting thing about Villanova. So when I did my way-too-early top 25 a few months ago immediately after the season, the one thing I did not do 
is speculate on which seniors were going to take their extra year of eligibility. Remember, every senior gets an extra year because of COVID, but I didn't try to speculate in that first edition of the of the Too Early Top 25 on who was going to come back. I just felt like, look, these kids are 23, 24, 22. It's impossible to figure out who's going to stay and who's going to go. I bring that up because Villanova has probably been the single biggest winner in terms of uh, a team that had seniors elect to use their extra year. Two starters, Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, both are coming back for a fifth season. They're both using that extra year. And it's worth noting that before Colin Gillespie got hurt last year, Villanova was basically in the top five all season long. So they do lose uh, one good player, Jeremiah Robinson Earl down low. He was their best low post player. And I do think like they got to figure things out in terms of how, you know, what are they going to do down low? But Villanova basically bringing back eight of their top nine off a team that was in the top five for most of the season. I have them at number three. At number four, how about our boy Bill Self? I mean, say what you want about Bill Self, but every time that you think he is going to go into a season shorthanded, he always pulls a rabbit out of his hat. And how it happens and why it happens, we're going to stay out of that. But I bring it up because this was a team that they looked good. I think in my first iteration, I had them in maybe a fringe top 10 team. But the one thing they were lacking was a point guard. Well, funny thing happens. They... Uh, are waiting on a point guard. What are they going to do? Who are they going to sign? Are they going to have a point guard? Remy Martin, Arizona State, two-time All-Pac-12 first team, enters the portal, commits to Kansas. He is a high-volume shooter scorer, but I believe playing for Bill Self, I think he's going to have his best season. And you look at who is around him, Kansas should be really good. If everything goes to plan, Kansas should only lose one player off last year's team. That's Marcus Garrett, who was their point guard. He's replaced by Remy Martin. They have two players testing the waters right now for the NBA draft, Ochai Abaji and Jalen Wilson. If both those guys come back, basically Kansas's entire team returns intact from last year with an upgraded point guard. What I think is especially interesting about Kansas, we have to remember we all talked about, oh, it's a down year. They're not very good. They're not this. They're not that. They finished second in the Big 12 standings last year. It's crazy. We thought they were done. We thought they were cooked. They were overrated. They finished second in the Big 12 and ended up with a number three seed. So that whole team with an upgraded point guard is back. And so I have Kansas at number four in my two early top 25. Number five is Ohio State. And Ohio State, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on um, because nothing's really changed for them. They exited the season essentially returning most of a team that spent most of last season in the top 10. If you remember, they were a number two seed. They get bounced by Oral Roberts. That kid Max Azemus was unbelievable. Oral Roberts almost went to the Elite Eight. They lost to Arkansas in the Sweet 16. But Ohio State basically returns their whole team intact. And I think these these next two teams, Ohio State and the one I'm going to get to in a minute, it's always a push-pull because I don't think Ohio State has elite top-of-the-end talent. And I think there are teams below them that I'm going to get to in a minute that I do think at the end of the day could eventually surpass them. But you got to remember, this is a preseason poll, and I think Ohio State's going to be pretty good from day one, even if the upside isn't there. So I have Ohio State at number five, followed by at number six, Purdue. And it's the exact same thing. Purdue finished fourth in the Big Ten last year. If you remember, we thought the Big Ten was amazing. Illinois, Michigan, um, 
Ohio State, whoever. Purdue actually was one of the hottest teams in the country down the stretch. They return everybody from last year, add two top 50 prospects, and I just think they're going to be really good. Um, now, is their upside in March going to be as high as some other teams? I don't know. But I also think there's something to be said that all of these other teams, Kansas, um, you know, Kentucky, Arkansas, Alabama, Texas, Baylor, whoever, all these teams, Gonzaga, are going to be breaking in all these new pieces. Producers basically like, yeah, we, we're running it back. Let's see what we could do. So they are at number six. Number seven, the first of three SEC teams in my top 25, in my top 10, excuse me, in my top 10, five SEC teams overall in my top 25, three in the top 10. That is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I think it'd be easy to sit there and look at Alabama and say they lose Herb Jones, they lose John Petty, which is true. And those were probably their two most marquee players. But if you actually look at the stat sheet, Alabama's top two scorers were Jaden Shackelford and Javon Quinterly. And both those guys are coming back. Javon Quinterly, I thought, played really well in the NCAA tournament. Shackelford is, in theory, testing the NBA draft. I assume he's coming back. They have another guard named Josh Primo testing the NBA draft. I assume he's coming back. So that is a monster three-headed guard combination. All who played well last year on an SEC championship team. And then on top of that... Nate Oates does a great job hitting the portal every year. They add Namari Burnett, a former McDonald's All-American who began his career at Texas Tech. Noah Gurley, he's kind of a stretch five, that Nate Oates forward that can step out and hit a three. So I like Alabama at number seven. It's worth noting they also added a five-star center late in the signing period with Charles Badeko, a seven-foot center from Canada. Number eight, this is a team jumping into the top ten for the first time over these last couple weeks, it is the Kentucky Wildcats. And I'll say this. Um, so a couple things with Kentucky. I've talked a ton about them the last couple weeks, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. You know, I am not as anti-John Calipari as everybody else. And I do think, like, he deserves the criticism that he got last year, and he got crushed a lot. But I also believe that he last year was such a byproduct of such the weird calendar. And you'll hear it with Bruce Pearl in a minute. Like Bruce Pearl and I talk about how weird it was having your kids on campus and not being able to work out, work out with them. And so because of it, I bring it up because Bruce Pearl, and, or excuse me, because John Calipari in Kentucky maybe hurt more than anybody by last year's weird offseason. But I also... On top of that, like just the moves that he made in general, and I think when you look at this team next year with a full summer, with a new coaching staff, I think they're going to be really good. Severe Wheeler, the point guard that they brought in, you know I love him. Seven and a half assists a game at Georgia last year. I've said it a bunch the last couple weeks. Just sound like you just listen to him in an interview. He just sounds like a grown man, the kind of kid that you would want your daughter to bring home for dinner if she's dating him. Like, like he just sounds like what the leader of a basketball team should look like. Kentucky's three-point shooting stunk, so what do they do? C.J. Frederick, who averaged, who shot 48% from three at Iowa, comes to Kentucky. On top of that, um, Kellen Grady, a four-time All-A-10 guard, headed to Kentucky. So they upgrade the shooting, they upgrade the scoring, they upgrade the point guard. They add Ty Ty Washington this summer, five-star guard, who's kind of a combo, can play on the ball, can play off the ball. Really like how he fits in. And then also Oscar Shibway from the course of uh, the transfer portal in January. He's been on campus. He knows this team. And I like him. And I also like the players that are coming back. The guys that you couldn't lose that are going to be role players. Dante Allen, 
Jacob Toppin, and Lance Ware are all back. And I will say this with Kentucky. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with, with Keon Brooks, with with Davion Minson, with Isaiah Jackson. For non-Kentucky fans, they still have three players testing the draft waters. I don't know what to make of it. Keon Brooks isn't even testing the draft waters. He just hasn't officially announced that he is coming back yet. But as I record, all three of those guys are in limbo. If you're asking me if I had to take a guess, I, I'm speculating, even having them at number eight, that Davion Mintz is gone just because I just look at that situation and say, if Kentucky added three guards over the last couple weeks, I just don't see this scenario where they actually end up uh, bringing Davion Mintz back for that exact reason. Because you sign three guards, it means that you're moving in another direction. Davion Mintz is obviously welcome back, but I don't expect him to actually be back. Keon Brooks and Isaiah Jackson, I just don't expect either. But I love what Kentucky did. I think they're really good. Cannot wait for opening night where they play my number nine team, Duke. And so it's funny with Duke, right? Because every single year, Duke fans claim that I have their team underrated, that, I, that I'm underrating them, I'm a hater, I'm a this, I'm a that. Here's the reality. I think I have them higher than most people um, coming into this season. Paolo Banchero, five-star forward from Seattle. I believe he is the most college-ready freshman entering college basketball this coming season. I think he's going to be a star day one. Um, on top of that, A.J. Griffin, a five-star wing. It's interesting. I read a story that he was actually, his high school season was canceled, and so his dad is an assistant coach with the Toronto Raptors, and I, I had read that he actually spent part of the season working out with the Toronto Raptors, so you talk about getting ready. On top of that, another five-star Trevor Keels, but maybe most importantly, Duke has some good players coming back. Uh, Jeremy Roach, a point guard I thought played really well late in the season. Mark Williams, a seven-foot center. And then finally, on top of that, Wendell Moore, a wing, former like top 30 recruit. At some point, the kid is going to break out. When he does, I really do think that Duke is going to be a problem. And as I said, they open opening night against Kentucky. Also, they play Gonzaga on Thanksgiving weekend in Vegas. That's a game I'm going to try to get to. Finally, number 10, and I'm not going to go through all top 25 teams. I'll stop at 10 and then go quickly through the rest, is number 10, is Arkansas. And here's the thing about Arkansas. We all know about Eric Musselman. If you don't know, you don't listen to this podcast because he's been on a bunch. Great guy. Love talking ball with him. Um, but he's always going to upgrade the roster in the offseason. He was one of the early adapters to the transfer portal. But what's interesting about Arkansas right now is they have like four or five guys coming back off last year's Elite Eight team. That's a lot of returnees for a Eric Musselman coach team. It's always subject to change, but as of right now, Devo Davis, who basically hit one of the biggest shots in school history to send them to the Elite Eight, he's coming back. Uh, Jalen Williams, who I thought was one of the better big men in the SEC late in the year, kind of a do-it-all uh, role player, whatever you need, get your fingernails dirty kind of guy, he is back. J.D. Note, who was balling out against Baylor before he fouled out in the suites, in the Elite Eight, excuse me, he's coming back. Uh, and, oh, by the way, there's a kid named K.K. Robinson, who's a former top 50 prospect, um, who, is, who, is, uh, who was injured last year, who is coming to play this year. On top of that with Arkansas, and this is the part that's worth noting, they still hit the transfer portal hard, even with all the guys they got. I've talked about it before, but Chris Likes, 15 points per game at Miami. 
Audis Tony, 15 points per game at Pitt. So you're bringing in two guards that averaged 15 a game in the ACC last year. And I know Chris Likes was hurt a little bit, but it doesn't matter. Stanley Amude, 20 points per game at the mid-major level. Jackson Robinson, a former top 50 recruit who kind of struggled in one year at Texas A&M. But I bring it up, and I talked about this the other day with Arkansas. I love that they not only added pieces, but they added pieces to that Eric Musselman system of having a bunch of guys that can pass, dribble, shoot, take people off the dribble, uh, create. I love this roster. And I think there's even a possibility that when I actually look at all the pieces on paper, I could be ranking them too low at number 10, but I really do like Arkansas at number 10. This is what I'm going to do. First of all, before we continue, there are three new teams, three new teams from the original top 25 that I did a couple a couple months back. Okay, three teams that weren't in there at all. The first one is Texas. Probably shouldn't be surprised. Chris Beard becomes the head coach. They crush it in the transfer portal. And Texas is now at number, thir- uh, number 12, excuse me, in my way too early top 25 post-transfer portals because they've added four marquee transfers, okay? Timmy Allen, an all-pack 12 guard from Utah, On top of him, Christian Bishop, a starter down low for Creighton last year in their Sweet 16 team. Dylan Dissu, who averaged 15 and 9 at Vanderbilt last year. Devin Askew, who of course got minutes at Kentucky. Also, a couple marquee players from last year's team are coming back. Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, Brock Cunningham. And so you look at them, and there's a lot to like. Now, they don't really have that true point guard, but I do think Andrew Jones, Devin Askew can kind of play that role. I really like Texas. They're another team at number 12 that maybe I have a little bit too low. In addition to them, in terms of being new, Oregon comes in at number 21. They were not ranked. And it's really interesting because Oregon is one of those teams that I do think that we we talk about Eric Musselman in the transfer portal and maybe John Calipari over the last year or two, Chris Beard. Dana Altman is really good in the portal. He is a guy that... Um, If you follow this stuff, always has success in the transfer portal. This year is no exception. He actually went ahead and signed two of the best transfers that I believe were in the portal. Davion Harmon, who averaged 13 points per game at Oklahoma last year. On top of Davion Harmon, you also have... Uh, Quincy Guerriere, who was one of Syracuse's best players, he decides to enter the portal. Syracuse's leading rebounder, he's a forward. He is coming to Oregon. So those are the three teams that are added, or no, two teams. The third team, Auburn. Auburn, we're going to talk to Bruce Pearl in a minute, but they added five players in the portal, most notably Walker Kessler. They were unranked. I have them at number 24. I will go through the rest outside of the top 10. I gave you the top 10 a minute ago. It was UCLA at one, Gonzaga two, Villanova three, Kansas four, Ohio State, Purdue, Bama, Kentucky, Duke, Arkansas round out the top 10. Uh, Number 11 is Michigan, 12 I just said is Texas, 13 is Baylor, 14 is Maryland, 15 is Houston, 16 Virginia, 17 Tennessee who has made some nice moves this offseason, 18 UConn, 19 North Carolina with Hubert Davis who I actually like what he has done this offseason bringing in Brady Manick a stretch four. It looks like Hubert Davis is going to kind of put his own stamp on UNC, play a little bit different than Roy Williams. Number 20, Oklahoma State. They literally return everyone except for Cade Cunningham off a really good team. Isaac Likely is the name to know there. He will take over the point guard duties for Cade Cunningham, one of the best guards in the Big 12 two years ago. was kind of banged up this year. Oregon, I just mentioned, at 21. Florida State at 22. St. Bonaventure, 23. Auburn, 24, as I just said. Colorado State, 25. Five teams that just missed the cut. 
you know, Nevada with Steve Alford was there, but Nevada actually lost a key player to the portal on Wednesday, right before I recorded Addison Patterson. So he, uh, Nevada would probably drop. Number 27, my boy Mike Woodson. Unbelievable. Got most of the roster back, added some players in the portal. I have Indiana at number 27, Michigan State number 28, LSU 29, Illinois 30, rounding out my top 30. And again, the new teams, Texas, Oregon, Auburn, dropping out from the original poll, Arizona, Nevada, and Michigan State. Whew. All right, how about that for a little segment, a little mid-May, late-May college hoop segment? Did AT do it again or did AT do it again? All right, I think I'm going to get out of here. I should mention, by the way, that top 25 is posted at KentuckySportsRadio.com. If you want to read more on the write-ups, KentuckySportsRadio.com. I also tweeted it. I will tag it to the top of my uh, page there, my Twitter page. But if you like what you saw there, if you disagree, you can tweet at me, Aaron underscore Torres. But I do think that's basically it for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Um, you know, look, uh, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff. Bruce Pearl coming up. And I got to say, Bruce Pearl was awesome, man. You know, Bruce Pearl is a guy that I think over the years, he and I, I don't want to say we've gotten to know each other. I don't know him. Like, I don't, but, you know, he, he, I think really respects what I do. I think he appreciates how outspoken I am. He mentioned it on the podcast, so I don't mind saying it. Uh, but I really enjoyed the conversation. We talk a lot about the transfer culture in basketball. Is it good? Is it bad? His team, Walker Kessler. He, All those people that were saying that Walker Kessler left North Carolina and led Roy Williams to retirement, Bruce Pearl went after him. So Bruce Pearl was awesome coming up. But that's it for this segment. Before we get to Bruce Pearl, I want to remind you, Please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure you're doing it. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, and make sure you're subscribed. We got a lot of really good guests coming up. I think a lot of these college basketball coaches, now that we're out of the portal, now that we know what their rosters are going to look like, they are. we got some big guests lined up for June, July, as we start to transition out of basketball into football. We'll still talk a little hoops with some of the bigger guests across college basketball. Uh, but that's it for this segment. Should mention again, prizepicks.com or the Prize Picks app, an incredible daily fantasy app download it use promo code torres you're automatically entered to win 10k with your first deposit and prizepicks.com if you use promo code torres they will match up to a hundred dollars so basically you put in a hundred they give you a hundred to play with prize picks prizepicks.com use promo code torres also manscaped fellas i'm just telling you uh i use it i love it i am a believer in manscaped and ladies like i said gave the wife some of my razors, she used them, really enjoyed them, said she's, yeah, I, don't, I don't want to share too many details, but she used some of the razors and she liked them a lot. So ladies, if you need some new razors, manscaped.com, use promo code Torres. Also, you want to get your man something. Father's Day's coming up, manscaped.com, promo code Torres. That is all for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I am going to get out of here. I'm going to welcome in Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl. So much to talk about. Great guest. You're really going to enjoy. Shout out to Torrent Craig. 
Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. And now, here is Bruce Pearl, head coach, Auburn Tigers best ball. All right, joining me via Zoom, uh, had him on maybe a year, year and a half ago. It's been a while, but I am excited to talk about, uh, you know, wild offseason in many ways, uh, especially at Auburn, bunch of new players, a bunch of excitement around the program. Coach Bruce Pearl, how you doing, Coach? Aaron, I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, but I got to ask you, first of all, uh, how are your players doing? Because I saw a bunch of them on the lake the other day. It looks like it's a fun time to be an Auburn Tiger right now. Work hard, play hard, Aaron. You know, um, we got to get to know each other. You know, sure. we got to we got to uh, have team building exercises. But, you know, coach, the great coach Pat Dye from Auburn said, you know, you can coach them as hard as you love them. And uh, so you got to get to know them before you get to love them. And we got to have some shared experiences. So, you know, sometimes it's just having some good barbecue and hanging out at the lake. And I purposely, uh, you know, was able to build the lake house of my dreams. And it just tells you what a great country we live in. But I made sure the lake house was 26 miles from campus so that it was in the 30 mile radius so my team could be out there. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. First of all, let me ask you this, even before we get into the off season, I mean, how nice is it just to be able to actually spend time around your players this offseason. I mean, I think it's easy to forget now, but last year, you know, in in the gym, out of the gym, can't have them over. I know that, I, you know, talking to coaches all over the country, just a lot of the, the chemistry things, the things that you do in the offseason where you do build that trust, that camaraderie, even with your returning players, you guys just weren't allowed to do that. How nice is it just to get them to the house, have a barbecue, get them on the lake, things like that? It's, it's great. You know, it's, 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 it is back to normal and in and, and a lot of different ways. And I think what it does make you do is, is turn the, 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 the hands of the clock back a little bit. Right. Um, last year was a tough year for students all over the yeah. country. I'm talking about kids in elementary school and middle school and high school and, and in college, uh, it was different. The social interaction aspect of education was gone. The hands-on teaching uh, the again, the shared experiences. Um, and I think sports, you know, particular, you know, the pro sports, intercollegiate athletes did an amazing job kind of carrying on as best we could, you know, through the, through the pandemic and, and, uh, but man, the kids spent a lot of time in their rooms. They spent a lot of time isolated uh, in order to stay safe. They had to stay away. And man, when you first get to college and you're leaving home for the first time, and then all of a sudden I think that also led to a little bit more of the, the transfer situation this year because it was a difficult year, you know, for everybody. You know, it's so funny because I've said that. I do want to get into the transfer stuff. You guys were, were very aggressive there, but I, I've said that is like there's a lot of reasons kids transferred, but I don't think anybody had fun last year. Like, I mean, even Gonzaga, Baylor, uh, Michigan, whoever. I mean, like you said, it was a lot of just, uh, you know, being in your room away from your friends or away from your guys, whatever. But let's talk about it a little bit. So, so you guys completely revamped your roster this off season, uh, five transfers in total. I believe, I know not all of them have signed your, their paperwork. You can't necessarily talk about all of them, but one, you know, I'm curious, uh, were you a fan of the one-time transfer rule or, or more importantly, what was it just one of those deals where you, you told your staff, Hey, if this is where we're going, we got to be ahead of it. You know, Aaron, you, a few years ago, 
the, the, they changed the rules regarding trapping. In other words, you've got these cones, right? And you're not allowed to get in somebody else's space. Well, basically you legislated the fact that you really can't have a legal trap anymore. So you remember when, you know, Nolan Richardson or my mentor, Dr. Tom Davis, or even myself or Gary Williams. Remember we used to run the one, two, one, one full court trap or, or Rick Patino or, you know, can't trap anymore. Well, uh, that, that rule changed. So we're not trapping anymore. The rules have changed. Uh, the, the transfer portal is, is in, I'm not in favor of it. Um, I don't agree with some of the pundits that say, well, why are you penalizing the players when you don't penalize the coaches for transferring? Well, you don't have 1400 coaches in transfer portal. And I look, I think transferring is a great thing. Sometimes it's a promotion. I think the grad transfer is a great thing. Young man comes in and gets it done, graduates. Why not have an opportunity after having some success to move on? That's more similar to what the coaches are doing. We've kind of graduated. We've done our time. If we get a transfer up, that's because we've done a really good job, just like a grad transfer. But when a young man transfers right now, he gets his phone, he gets his speaker, he gets his clothes, he gets in the car and he goes. If a coach is lucky enough to transfer before he got fired, he's not doing that. He's got to sell his house. He's got to move his wife and his kids. He's got to find new friends. And it's not the same. Um, sitting out a year for a student athlete, some don't want that. Some want to get there right away and get that eligibility right away. And so what that does is it does keep some kids on campus and you fight rather than flee. Um, and I just think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, too often, you know, you're not getting enough playing time in high school, go across town and go to the other high school. You're not getting enough uh, of a role for this AU team or this little league team, go play for another team. Rather than just, how about just working hard and getting better and make the situation you have better sometimes? We, we, we've lost that. All right, listen, again, that ship sailed. So here are the rules right now. Um, yeah, I think it's going to hurt high school basketball. I think they're going to be far fewer high school seniors. They're going to get scholarship opportunities, particularly at the high major level, because I don't care how good a 17 or 18 year old is. He's not as good coming in to play for you as a 21 or 22 year old three year college player. And let's face it in coaching. It's, it's, it's about today. It's about winning this year. It's not about necessarily in, investing in the future, unfortunately. Well, and it's really interesting. You say at the, the high major level, you think the high school player is going to be hurt. I, I would actually argue, I've talked to mid-major coaches that are like, I'm done recruiting high school players because if they're really good, they're going to transfer up. If they're really bad, they're going to transfer down. Um, I'm going to take the transfer that that has to grow with me inside of the program as well. Um, you know, real quick, just I don't think the average fan kind of understands the unintended consequences of this stuff. And again, to your point, to the point that I've made a million times, there are good reasons to transfer. There are legitimate reasons to transfer. But there are also unintended consequences, not only for high school players, but also just academically. I mean, you know, I myself was a transfer. I myself know that credits don't always transfer. I mean, from an academic component, I mean, how much do you now have to work with your academic team, your players to make sure, hey, if this guy comes, he's behind the eight ball. We got to catch up here. We got to do this, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's, Aaron, that's a great that's a great issue. Nobody's talking about it but it needs to be addressed. So for example, really good rules about progress towards eligibility, progress towards degree. Uh, uh, the NCAA did many, many years ago, and it's really made a difference as far as getting guys to come in and graduate. 
and now not allowing colleges to use and abuse their student athletes. You know, 60% after your third year, 40%, you know, 80% heading into your senior year. It just makes sure that players are on track to graduate. Um, well, the problem is transfers aren't thinking about that. They don't, when, when they decide they want to transfer, they're not, they're not as, you know, that's not the reason why they're transferring is because they're unhappy academically. They're transferring because they're unhappy with their role on the, on the court. And so then they put themselves in a transfer portal and they go, oh my gosh, I've been in this major here at this university and it's going to not, it's not going to transfer anywhere. And then all of a sudden you're in the portal and nobody else offers this, you know, this degree and you're limited yourself. And you know what? There are a lot of kids in the portal that aren't going to find places. And there are a lot of kids in the portal that are going to find places and they won't transfer enough credit to making progress towards a degree. I don't think that's been thought out. And who gets hurt? The kids players. do. Yep. The players get hurt. And now they've transferred and they find some place and then they're so far away from making progress and the next year they're ineligible. But they've already exercised their one-time transfer. We got a lot of work to do to make this situation work. And again, I was not in favor of it. But that's the rule, and so therefore we got to find a way. Given this, what about APR? What, could, what about the the progress that you that a school's got to make? Those rules got to be adjusted now, because of the fact that the NCAA has now created um, by this rule change uh, the ability uh, and the desire of kids to be transferred. Almost three per team per year. Yep, it's insanity. How much? Are you now telling your assistants, you know, you guys are going to go back on the road here in a minute. Uh, well, not in a minute, but, uh, you know, next month for the first time in, in two calendar years. How much are you telling your assistants when they are on the road, when they're talking to high school coaches, AAU coaches, whatever? Hey, don't burn any bridges. And I assume, you know, that's probably pretty standard protocol. But I mean, you know, one of your best players that you're bringing in this offseason, Walker Kessler, like. He was a player that you recruited out of high school. It didn't work at the first place. And I assume now a big part of recruiting even a high school player is, um, you know, keeping uh, legally, of course, but, but keeping that relationship open, making sure you don't say or do the wrong thing if he commits to another school, because, you know, there's a reasonable chance that a lot of these kids will end up back in the portal at some point in their careers. Yeah, well, that's just good business. That's good practice sure. anyways. You know, you just don't beat the young man up. He's 17 or 18 years old. He's made a decision, you know, as a, as a grown man, as a coach, as the adult in the room, I've got to be able to handle winning and I've got to be able to handle losing. Of course. And, and, and so, uh, you know, when you don't get a player to come the first time, uh, you, there is the right way to leave it. And, and, sure. and then you should leave it. Uh, you must now, there are rules yep. that, you know, prohibit certain kinds of contact and, 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 and they need to be followed. When those rules aren't followed, you're going to begin to start seeing more cases involving tampering, as as you should, um, because the, the tampering thing is is um, look, there'll be enough people around the young man, including friends and family and former coaches, that are all going to have opinions about how he's doing, and how many shots he's getting, and whether or not he should stay or leave, without coaches participating in that, until the time comes for when somebody puts their name in the transfer portal. And, the, and then the, that student athlete is available. Very good. I, I, you know, I do want to talk about your team because, you know, I'm legitimately excited. You know, we were talking a little bit before, uh, you know, I, I think very highly of the group that you brought in. I know that my buddy John Rothstein has tweeted about how excited he is to see your guys on the floor. 
Um, how excited are you? I mean, you got five, you did bring in five transfers. You got some nice pieces coming back from last year. You got a McDonald's all American coming in. I mean, how excited are you about this incoming team specifically the work that you guys did in the portal? Yeah. Look, Auburn's a great place there and it really is. Um, and, um, it's, it's, it's an easy place to recruit to because I mean, uh, we've been successful men and women, uh, in the SEC, the SEC is the best conference in the country, all sports, men and women. We've got more Olympians. We've got more championships. So therefore we really know how to teach and train, um, across the board. Um, you know, over the last four years, uh, I mean, Auburn still has the best non-conference record in the, in the SEC over the last four years. I still think we're right there as far as having won the most games. So it's been a good four year run. And as a result of that, it's, it's an attractive place for kids to come. Now, last year, we were the youngest team in college basketball. And given COVID, uh, given we, we, we did not make ourselves eligible postseason, we wouldn't have qualified. But before the season started, we, we took a, a, a serious, serious penalty in recognition of, of some mistakes that we knew that, knew that were made. Um, and then you've got a, a, a young roster and a short roster. And as a result, it wasn't, it wasn't a great year. I tell you what, our kids never quit. Uh, they finished strong at the end of the year. We won some games we probably shouldn't have won, which was a credit to them. Um, but we had to redo the roster. We had to revamp it. And the best way to do that was through the transfer portal. And, um, and, and you're right. I do think we got some really talented, competitive, hardworking guys. Um, and if we can stay healthy, um, we got a chance to compete for the league. And if you got a chance to compete for the league, and that's the SEC, you got a chance, you know, to get to the Final Four, and and uh, you know, on paper, this looks like a group that that is uh, that's capable. Yeah, you know, I'll ask you this. You know, you're at this point, you know, one of the longest tenured coaches in the SEC, and of course, you were there years ago. Uh, you know, at another school. How, why, like, I, you know, I, I follow the portal probably as closely or I try to as much as anybody in the media and you look across the board. And again, I don't know who you could talk about rosters, this, that, but the talent coming in at Kentucky, at LSU, at Tennessee, at Auburn, at Miss, it, it, it was incredible to me the work that your colleagues in the SEC did in the portal in addition to the high school stuff. Uh, how impressed are you, uh, you know, when you do log on to Twitter or turn it, read the newspaper or whatever, and you see, hey, oh, my goodness, this kid committed to this school. That kid's going to be a problem over for Coach Cal or Coach Barnes or whomever. Well, you know, with the, for us at Auburn, with the exception of uh, Wendell, Wendell Green, uh, who's from Michigan, played East Kentucky, it's really coming home for a lot of them sure. or staying down here in the southeastern part of the country. But specifically to your question, Aaron, I really think it's the investments that the SEC's made in men's basketball. There's This is a strong statement, and it's not a criticism of coaches in the past because I was a part of it. This is the strongest collection of coaches the SEC's ever had in men's basketball. I'm talking top to bottom. Now, it's been said before. It's perhaps been said in other years. But you stop and look at the landscape right now. My goodness gracious, you know, literally, uh, without putting a number on it, um, the SEC is, is, is right there. You look at over the last couple of years, the number of guys in the NBA that are playing the SEC. You look at last year's conference finals, Miami versus LA. I think there were nine players in the conference finals that played in the SEC. Um, you know, so I think um, people are beginning, student athletes beginning to appreciate the support, the quality of the coaching, the quality of the universities, uh, and the opportunity to go play uh, at that next level 
by playing basketball in the SEC. Talked about coming home. How excited are you, Walker Kessler? We just talked about it. Obviously, he made his decision yep. coming out of high school, but he is yep. a Tiger. He is back in the, uh, you know, uh, I know he's from the Atlanta area, which isn't far from you guys. How excited are you to get him on campus? Walker Kessler is one hour from Auburn, door to door, from Noonan, Georgia. This is coming home. His family has, a, has had a home for, I want to say, since Walker was two years old at Lake Martin. Lake Martin's about 45 minutes, you know, from Auburn. That's where he spends all of his summers. Um, when, when Walker chose North Carolina over Auburn a year ago, I mean, goodness gracious, Carolina, Roy Williams, Hubert Davis, great program. Man, I was, I, was I was disappointed we didn't get him, but I was happy for him. Um, Walker's a stretch five. He, he's a stretch five man. And, um, you know, he, he got much, much better at Carolina a year ago. It was, I mean, he, he improved tremendously. He played a lot with his bath to the basket. Now I'm coming to Auburn. He's going to be doing both. He'll be facing a lot more. And we're going to take advantage of his ability to do some things inside out. Hard worker, great competitor. Uh, one of the hardest things that young man maybe ever had to do was leave North Carolina and Roy Williams. He loved Roy Williams. He still does. And he got beat up in the press. He got he and his family got beat up. Well, after a COVID season and a difficult season and everything like that. Um, you know, that was a hard decision, but he came home to be with his family because he knew around his family, he was happier and had a chance to be more successful. So, um, people need to leave Walker Kessler alone because to get to Walker Kessler, you got to come through me and you don't <laughs> want to mess with me. I'm just telling you. Fantastic. Last couple of questions. You know, another guy that people are excited about Jabari Smith, uh, McDonald's all American, uh, you know, I've only seen film of him. I don't know if I've ever seen him in person. He looks like an insanely talented player as well. He is. And, and this is one thing about insanely talented people that sometimes can be a misnomer and misunderstood. He is as humble as any high school prospect that's ranked as high as I've ever come across in 40 something years. He's humble and he is hungry. He just wants to get better. And he's another guy that's about an hour and 15 minutes from Auburn. He just wanted to stay close at home. His dad was a great player at LSU, and LSU was, you know, was a real factor, you know, and, and they just want to stay home. And he kind of looked at, boy, what you guys did with Chumo Kiki, or, or what Chuma did, and look at what Chumo Kiki is now with the Orlando Magic having been drafted 16th. He was ranked 45th in, in the country coming out of high school. Or Isaac Okoro, who was another kid that was not a McDonald's All-American, but, in, you know, worked so hard in a year – became the fifth player in the NBA draft, started every game for the Cavaliers, a rookie, the only rookie to do that. Played more minutes than any rookie, you know, in the NBA. I think Jabari saw that and said, man, I don't have to go across the country to have a chance to work on my game. He is he's another inside-out matchup problem. Those two guys there, along with some of the other guys, we have Jalen Williams and, and Dylan Cardwell, a stretch. Auburn's front line will be as deep. Uh, and as talented as any teams in the country. You know, I could, I could sit here and talk to you all day, but I know you want to go enjoy that nice Auburn weather, that nice lake weather. I'll just let you out on this. Uh, you know, you mentioned to get to Walker Kessler, you got to go through you. Just anybody listening knows, uh, anybody that knows you knows, you're always fired up. I mean, how excited are you to, to, I don't know if everybody is on campus yet, but to get them back, to get working, and then just – I mean, 61 years old, you sound like you're, you're 31, ready to, to jump back into the gym and get going, man. Aaron, I go to bed early, man. I get <laughs> up early, 
but I go to bed early. So, hey, listen, when you're not very talented, you got to make up for it with effort and energy and passion. And so, you know, you got to know what your strengths are. You got to know what your weaknesses are. And, and I try to bring it every single day and get the people around me. I want to be that energy gain. I don't want to be that energy drain. And listen, man, congratulations to you on the on the sports podcast. I, I, I try not to spend too much time reading or listening to you guys because it could get, uh, I just don't have time to do it. But uh, Aaron, as you know, I, you get it right a lot. And I, I like to be able to work with the, with the media, just not to get it my way, but to help them get it the right way. And uh, so congratulations on, on your progress and your success. And let's do this again sometime. All right. Well, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Um, I'm not always popular, but, you know, hearing things like that from you, you know, makes it makes it worthwhile for me. So Coach Bruce Pearl, Auburn University, I genuinely appreciate the time. And like you said, fired up, appreciate you. I hope we can do it again soon, Coach. Okay. War Eagle. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.